We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all news and analysis from the green and gold. My name is Mike Wendland, along with me, Tyler Grezegorek, as always, as we turn the corner from free agency now toward the draft. April is just about a week away, and we're about one month away from the NFL draft. Of course, that's where the Packers make most of their bread and butter. And Tyler, you've been doing a lot of work with the draft coming up, not just with the Cheesehead Draft Guide, but also with your Packer thresholds and everything you've worked with. So I guess tell us all what you've been working on as far as the draft goes over the past few months. <laughs> I mean, if you can think of anything draft-related, I've probably been working on it. Uh, I, I've got my own personal big board that I've been kind of putting together um, that I'm hoping to release, probably a top 100. I, I I'm going to be nowhere near the level that the guys from like the draft network are as far as how in-depth into the prospects I get. I'm not going to be able to watch 300 guys. I just don't have the time for that. However, I'm hoping to release the top 100, which would be a first for me. Um, hopefully working towards maybe a top 200 next year. So, But uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And also, the Packers thresholds is one of my, I, I think, my proudest little accomplishments that I put together. It's just... Uh, you know, I can thank Justice Mosqueda for putting together the hard data, and then uh, I just kind of put it all together each year, and last year it was relatively predictive, so I decided to do it again this year, uh, even though, you know, it's only good to come second year. He, he 
pretty much kept to the thresholds that were established under Ron Wolf and that and then under Ted Thompson. So uh, we can get a little bit more into that, but uh, I'm pretty excited for our show today. No, I agree. I, I'm really excited. Uh, draft has always been kind of my thing as well. I've I've watched it every year, really going back to when I, uh, Javon Walker was drafted. I've watched almost every round every year since then. So it's been a long time of watching the draft on and on this guy's case. And and in recent years, I've gone with you guys a little bit with the thresholds and focusing on the relative athletic score and doing a little uh, more mocking and just reading up a little bit more and kind of paying more attention to people who aren't named Mel. But when you look at this year specifically, there is a lot going on for what the Packers could do. They're working free agency over the past week, bringing in Amos, the Smiths, and Billy Turner have really made things a little less clear as to what they're going to do in the draft. They don't have to go get an edge right away. They don't have to go get a lineman right away. Tight end, you probably should, but there's there's still options out there for what Brian Gutekunst can do. And this is the perfect draft class for him to make moves and move around and get the guy he wants, no matter what position it might be. I completely agree, and I, I'm so excited for this draft because I, I don't foresee any more big moves from the Packers prior to the draft. I just don't think they have the the ammo that they're willing to part with, and then also the financial flexibility is a little bit less now that they've kind of you know revamped the defense through free agency, which is honestly is all going according to my perfect plan for the Packers offseason, and that was to supplement the defense with veteran free agents and then go into the draft and address the offense with depth offensive pieces. So I'm very excited for Gutekunst. He can do anything he wants to do. You know, he's going to have to work with Patton and the floor to make these decisions and get get this team back to their championship status no I, I no doubt about that and so we'll go back into the thresholds part uh i pinned on your twitter at tyler underscore grez everyone go check that out he has a google document with the packers thresholds along with draft prospects and whether they meet him whether they visited with the team what their combine measurements were and what they can possibly bring to this team so take a look at that so, Tyler, I'll let you just kind of run with it. What what are these thresholds that the Packers are looking at? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, it's it's truly, truly the hard work has been done by Justice Mosqueda. I kind of just piggybacked off of him. and But basically, a couple years ago, he did a thorough study and evaluated the prospects that uh, Green Bay tends to draft and the guys that they tend to uh, drift towards when they're making their selections. And I can honestly tell you, they draft athletes for the most part. Uh, it's every single one of the positions has a couple thresholds, but they're pretty much all inclusive of basically speed, agility, and size, depending on the position. But pretty much this is speed and agility. That's really all they're looking for. They don't care about strength. They don't care about a lot of other characteristics. I think quarterback, offensive line, and defensive back are oh, and wide receiver those are the ones where they care about size uh for defensive line and edge there's this a uh, couple special calculations called uh, oh my goodness they're, they're basically their agility and speed calculations uh the exact name of the calculation is escaping me it's not like a super well-known one but if you ever want to know just reach out to me and i'll do a little bit of digging and i, I have it in my notes uh, the the gentleman who originated the formula but but basically there's a formula that calculates agility and speed 
using their three cone time, forty yard dash, their height, and their weight. And um, there's certain thresh- certain thresholds that have been met in the past, and certain thresholds that we're looking for moving forward. And especially with the Packers needing edge help, uh, still I would say that they still need edge help. You know, it's it's a good tool to look at, and it's been a pretty good indicator. Um, and I know Justice Mosqueda, he knows his edges. You, you know, he, he puts out those force players every year. So uh, they're pretty pretty good indicators of relative success in the NFL. So I'm, I'm very excited to just keep updating it. I'm updating it weekly currently with pro day numbers um, as new players who didn't test at the combine or players just who are improving on their numbers in general. Uh, I'm pretty excited for what it's become and what it's growing into. And uh, I'm definitely going to keep continuing this every year as long as the thresholds are going to hold true, Uh, which last year I think it was like seven, seven of the players, seven of the draft picks last year fell within these thresholds. So I'm pretty excited for uh, how predictive it was last year and uh, what it might indicate this year. No doubt, and the thresholds do matter, but also another thing that matters, and apparently Brian Gutekunst thinks the same way, is the RAS, a relative athletics, for only one draft pick did not meet the elite threshold for that last year, and that was Cole Madison. But you look at guys like Kendall Donerson, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, Equinemia St. Brown, they were elite athletes. They were some of the best of the best at their pro day, at their combine, whatever. And I think that does play a part with how these guys, dra- the, the team drafts, whether it is because of the pure athleticism that he maybe he reads the math bomb Twitter or he just has his own stuff that he goes on. The pa- the Packers have a knack, like you said, to draft spectacular athletes. And another good example was Oren Burks. He tested through the roof and jumped into the third round conversation and could be starting a, a inside linebacker this year. So the RAS also plays a big part. And I guess what do you see from that as far as how that factors in? Yeah, and uh, if you guys have the time – uh, Ross Uglum did a fantastic study, put together a Packers big board, uh, and he did it pretty much based off the RRS for the most part. It's a great read. Go check it out on Cheesehead TV. But essentially, relative athletic scores just mean they are comparing athletes for the last 30 or so years. There's a specific year that this dates back to. Uh, Kent Lee Platt on Twitter, uh, at MathBomb, does a fantastic, fantastic job of putting all this data together, and he does it. I believe for free. I don't think he gets any money for it. Uh, but it's basically a formula that he's derived and a model, and he just puts these numbers out. And what it does is it compares compares players relative to other players of their position using their size, the, the height, their weight, their all their testing scores, and just kind of puts out what percentile athlete they are in comparison to the rest of the players that were at that position for the last X amount of years. So every single year it it gets more, it gets stronger and a better indicator of what type of athlete that you're dealing with. And it's just, it's it's such a great tool and um, man, we're blessed to live in the 21st century. (laughs) No, that's a good way to put it. We are very lucky to be in the time of, laser timing and the internet and everything that happens like that it makes things so much more exact when you see all these testing numbers and you look at good example would be at the combine you look at uh, andy isabella he his 40 time was originally unofficially a four or five or so and everyone was freaking out and be disappointed and then they realized that the system was off but then when they corrected it, it ended up being a four three so it kind of shows the difference of how that works in technology but i guess before we go into our preliminary kind of fun four-round mock that we're going to go through in just a couple of minutes. 
what's going to be, what do you think is the biggest prospect for you or who is the biggest prospect for you that you think meets all the thresholds that you really want to see at either 12 or 30? You know, and honestly, there's a number of guys that I would love to have at either position. Uh, That's the beauty of this year's draft. However, I do think the Packers are actually pretty much enamored with one specific player. Uh, Much like Gutekunst says he was last year with Jair Alexander, I think that guy could be Noah Fant this year. And I think 12 might be just a bit rich for Noah Fant, if we're being quite honest. I would like to see him taken in the late teens, early 20s if possible. Uh, I, I think that that kind of meets the place where we could see a run on tight ends based off some of the other team's needs and value fits and stuff like that. Noah Fant would be a dynamic player and a dynamic addition to this Packers offense. Uh, And not to take away from TJ Hawkinson, but I think Noah Fant is just far and away a better athlete, even though the relative relative, uh, athletic score would indicate otherwise. I just think that Fant is going to provide more dynamicism from the tight end position than Hawkinson will. Uh, I, I think Fant's a very capable blocker, not as not as bad as he's giving credit for. He definitely has some work to do in the area, but I think he could be a very serviceable blocker moving forward. And I think that given that that quality and that characteristic, I think that he's going to be heads above TJ Hawkinson uh, career-wise. No, I agree. And that's kind of the thing I, I've been kind of harping on for weeks when you look at the two Iowa tight ends. I said Noah Fant is Jordan Reed 2.0. TJ Hawkinson's kind of Chris Cooley. Or uh, his ceiling would be like a Jason Winder, Greg Olson. But I think Fant, you said, is much more dynamic. His RAS is 9.89. His combine was absolutely incredible. And and he was a productive player for a long time at Iowa. Hawkinson really broke out last year. But Fant has been doing it for two, three years now. And Kirk Ferentz players tend to do pretty well in the NFL, whether it's George Kittle we've seen now setting records or Scott Chandler had a nice long career in the NFL as well. So Iowa tight ends tend to do pretty well in the NFL, and I think there's a solid chance as well that one of them will be in Green Bay. Uh, For me personally, I am absolutely enamored with Brian Burns. I know there's concerns about his his frame and everything, but the Packers need that edge turner. We look at the Smiths, they're very, very good players, but having a guy with the speed and build of a Brian Burns gives that extra dynamic thing where you could have all three of them on the field and really cause problems with that as well. But like you said, there are so many guys in play at 12 and maybe even trading down into the late teens to get fans or trading up from 30 to get fans because I would be surprised if they take uh, 10 players with, with the cap the way it is and with, with the chance to really get some special players. I think they might trade up a couple of times on maybe day one or at the very least day two as well. Well, that being said, Tyler, do you think you want to maybe hop into a little bit of a mock draft here before for us? Yes. I think we should. I, I'm so excited. Let's do that, actually. All right, so we are on the Draft Network. Of course, you can listen to uh, yesterday's podcast with Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and we're going to use their predictive board, go through four rounds, and we'll be manually picking each Packer pick at 12, 30, and the two, four, second, and third as well. So as things go along, I am slowly scrolling through right now, and the big thing right now is Kyler Murray didn't go number one. And so with our pick, we... We do have Brian Burns out there, both Iowa tight ends out there. DK Metcalf is the currently the highest rated player out there for this one, as long with along with Devin Bush. So, Tyler, so who went one through eleven? Let's let's do a brief let's do a brief like uh, one through eleven. See who went there. All right, let's do that. Nick Bosa went number one to the Arizona Cardinals. Josh Allen to the 49ers. 
Quinnen Williams joins Leonard Williams on the Jets. Devin White to the Raiders. Rayshon Gary goes to Tampa Bay. Kyler Murray, the newest Giants backup quarterback. We'll see if that goes well. Juwan Taylor to Jacksonville. Montez Sweat is on his way to Detroit. Ed Oliver is in Buffalo. Dwayne Haskins will be Joe Flacco's backup in Denver. And Andre Dillard, the tackle from Washington State, goes to Cincinnati with 11, according to this simulation. So, Tyler, I'll ask you, if you had to pick, which player would you want to take at 12? Well, it, to me, it sounds – I didn't hear Jonah Williams. So, I, I think that strong consideration has to be given to Jonah Williams. Now, my consideration there with Williams is that I know that there's not a lot of concerns with him being able to move to the right side, but I think he's best suited as a left tackle. Now, a lot of those skills are translatable. However, that doesn't mean every single player can go from one side to the other. And I'm not entirely sure, you know, that they want to try and do that. It, it kind of depends. I I think if they take if they take Williams, I think that that's a that's a luxury pick for them at that point. Um, but how about you go through maybe the top ten uh, that Draft Network has there. Uh, the at at twelve basically. Okay, their top ten prospects available right now are DK Metcalf, the straight line receiver from Ole Miss, Drew Locke, quarterback from Missouri, Brian Burns, the edge from Florida State, both Iowa tight ends Fant and Hawkinson back to back, Devin Bush, middle linebacker from Michigan, Josh Jacobs, running back from Alabama, Christian Wilkins from Clemson, Cody Ford, guard from Oklahoma, and then Jonah Williams. And then Greedy Williams right behind them. So there's your top prospects on the board right now, according to the simulation in round one. And I, I, I like the idea of Jonah Williams. I do wonder, like you said, it might be a luxury. You kind of want a guy who's going to come in right away and play a little bit more to use your top one at 12. But I, I'd be I'd be leaning toward Devin Bush personally myself. Get that another dynamic linebacker to play with Blake Martinez, go sideline to sideline. And, and he's shown that he can be a, a truly dynamic player. I honestly think that this is a this type of situation that we're going through right now is ideal for a trade down. Drew Locke is sitting there with some team licking their chops, trying to get ahead of the of the Washington Redskins. I honestly think that they could they could get a pretty good haul if they traded out of this position. You trade down a few spots, maybe four or five, and you're still getting Jonah Williams, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Greedy Williams even, who I would be completely okay with Green Bay spending a first-round pick, even though they've spent so much draft capital on the position. You know, I you can never have too many corners, especially in an, a defense, excuse me, like, like Mike Pettens. However, it's obviously a luxury to spend on a corner. Uh, I think at this point, um, I'm not ready to spend a top 15 pick on Devin Bush. That's my honest feeling uh, about that. I think... I think Brian Burns would be the selection for me here uh, if if we had to take a selection at 12. No, I agree with you. And so let's go with it. Brian Burns, who, again, is my draft crush. So I trust you with Brian Burns again. Long, athletic. He was a productive player at Florida State. And he, all he does is make plays. He can really get after the quarterback. And as we've, as we've seen from tape with the Chiefs and what Mike Smith likes to do with the outside linebackers, he will get that football. He will get a lot of strip sacks. And that is built exactly for what the Packers can do. So as we move to pick 30, so kind of recapping what happened afterwards, after Brian Burns was taken by Green Bay at 12, Drew Locke goes to Miami at 13, Christian Wilkins to the Falcons, DK Metcalf to Washington, Jonah Williams to the Panthers to replace Matt Khalil, 
Uh, Cleveland Farrell to the Giants. Dalton Reisner to the Vikings. That's going to hurt Ross. Cody Ford to the Titans. Devin Bush to the Steelers. Greedy Williams to Seattle. That's a really good fit there. Keneal Harry, your Arizona State boy, to Baltimore. Garrett Bradbury to Houston. Josh Jacobs to the Raiders. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the safety from Florida, to the Eagles. Hakeem Butler to the Colts. TJ Hawkinson goes to the Raiders at 27. Byron Murphy, cornerback from Washington, to the L.A. Chargers. And Mac Wilson from Alabama to the Chiefs. There's a notable name that I didn't just read, and I think we're going to take him at 30, and that's probably no offense. Yeah, you know, we're starting to get into the territory where you get into groupthink with these picks, Uh, but there's a reason why the Noah Fant selection, specifically to Green Bay, is such a popular one. He fits the need. It's it's a good fit for the offense. Uh, On top of that, just like every other player we're going to pick today, he fits what Green Bay is looking for. Uh, at the position, he, he he meets their thresholds easily. So I think that Noah Fant is an easy selection here. But I'm curious who else is on the board. Um, I Maybe you said it, I just missed it, but I didn't hear Drew Locke either. Drew Locke went the pick after Brian Burns. He went to Miami. Got it. So the quarterbacks really kind of check out. So I'll do the top uh, top seven prospects that are out right now. Noah Fant is the top of the board. DeAndre Baker from Georgia is two a corner. A.J. Brown is third from Mississippi. Uh, Nasir Adderley is fourth for the safety from Delaware and the Packer legacy. Jerry Tillery is fifth from Notre Dame. Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. Jonathan Abram is number seven from Mississippi State, and though that's your top seven currently. I think Fant, it, it just makes too much sense. If he is there at 30 to make the pick, he could. he's the souped-up version of what your Michael Finley was. And I think he'd be a, a, a stone-cold, solid player for years and years and years in Green Bay. Plus, you get the fifth-year option for a tight end, which is always a good thing. You know, if a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson falls to this spot, I think I'm running to the podium and taking him as well. And I pass on fans. That I agree. Um, uh, because of the value of the position— uh, I, I think you can get Irv Smith. I think you can get similar production out of him. Probably not as dynamic as Noah Fant, but I think you can get similar production out of Irv Smith, even though he tested poorly and he actually tested himself out of Packer thresholds. However, a guy like Nasir Adderley uh, as well, I, I'm contemplating that pick here. I think he's the only guy out of that group that you just read through that I'm even thinking about at 30 um, with, with Noah Fant still on the board. Uh, but I think there are some other safety options in the second and third round where we can afford to pass on Adderley right now. Okay, so let's make the pick. We'll go with Noah Fant from the University of Iowa at 30. So as they go down, DeAndre Baker to the Rams, A.J. Brown to the Patriots. Of course that happens. Adderley to the Colts, Ja'Kai Polite to the Raiders, Irv Smith to the Jaguars at 38. For notable players, Jeffrey Simmons to the Broncos. Goes through there. Packers back on the board. Justin Lane was the last one taken for the Detroit Lions. Packers back up at pick number 44. Other names that came off the board were Jerry Tillery, uh, Jonathan Abram, Greg Little, Amani Oruwarie from Penn State, uh, Yanni Kajusti from West Virginia, like I said, Jeffrey Simmons, and Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. So Packers back up in round two, pick 44. Top names on the board, Eric McCoy, inside interior lineman from Texas A&M, is the top of the board. Hollywood Brown's there at, uh, from Oklahoma, the receiver. Kelvin Harmon from NC State. Daniel Jones, quarterback from Duke. 
Dexter Lawrence, the massive lineman from Clemson, Debo Samuel, South Carolina receiver, Paris Campbell, Ohio State receiver, then a couple of safeties, Deontay Thompson and Taylor Rapp are the top of the board right now. Juan Thornhill not too far behind them either as well. So Tyler, I'll turn to you. you. You're representing the coaching staff with all the film work you've done. What player would you like to see at 44 for Green Bay of the names that are out there? You know, I look at a guy like Deontay Thompson. Uh, Juan Thornhill is a guy that I've really been toting on social media. He's a guy that fits all of their athletic thresholds. I think he's a very under-the-radar player this year, and he's going to be a good pick for whoever takes him in the second round. I don't think he goes any higher than the second. Um, You know, I wish that a guy like Garrett Bradbury, I haven't heard his name, but I'm assuming he's gone by this point. So Garrett Bradbury would be fantastic selection at 30 or 44. Uh, same thing with uh, the other center. I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm blanking on the guy. However, uh, Chris Lindstrom, he's not a center. Interior lineman, sorry. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. Yeah, li- uh, both Yeah, so if either one of them fell to 44, I think that that's a great fit as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of McCoy here. I just think that... That's not necessarily what I'm looking for. He's a good player. I just not, I'm not running to the podium for him personally. But I think you're really considering guys like Deontay Thompson, Juan Thornhill, all three receivers that you mentioned: Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, and uh, the other one. There was a fifth one. Paris Campbell. Yeah. No. 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 The uh, goodness. Kelvin Harmon. Yes, that one. I think those are the five names that you're really looking at here. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I'd also put a little bit of thought into uh, Taylor Rapp cause just because he reminds me a lot of like a Micah Hyde type player. He's a smart safety who would really help stabilize things with Adrian Amos back there. But I personally think that I think Juan Thornhill is shooting up. really approach. limited in coverage. No, I, I agree. He's just really limited in coverage. And um, it's it's one of those things where Taylor Rapp is a player where you're taking a high floor with a not much higher ceiling. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, you're right. He would kind of solidify the position and he wouldn't be bad, but he wouldn't be amazing. It would just be solid. And I guess that's worth something, but that's not what I'm looking for here. This offense needs playmakers specifically. Uh, I would love Deontay Thompson here. I, I think that that's a good pick. I wouldn't be upset if they took Deontay Thompson at 44. I think it's great value. Uh, specifically considering what he does. He's got legitimate concerns uh, about some of the facets of his game. Uh, Juan Thornhill would be a fantastic selection here as well. He's also got legitimate concerns, but I think that he's going to be a solid selection. But I'm looking at Marquise Brown. I I know that he does not fit their traditional receiver, but I do think that that could change a little bit this year with Matt LaFleur at the helm. It's tough to get on board with Marquise Brown because of the Les Franck injury and just how small he is. But, man, when you turn on the tape, he is electric. And it's just so much fun to watch. And to think about what he would provide, this not only this offense, but the special teams unit. Uh, Debo Samuel is a close second in that department. He could, he could just do so many different things. And Kelvin Harmon is just solid. You know you're getting a good receiver with Kelvin Harmon. So I'm good with any, any of those five. Do you have any input there? Uh, it, to me, when it comes to the safeties, it depends on what you want with them. Do you want the kind of steady, solid, all-around play of Deontay Thompson, who who who's who's just kind of a good player, but he's more all-around? Or do you want the ball skills of Thornhill? 
a former corner who is really, really strong in coverage, and he's a guy who who's going to create turnovers for you guys. That's the biggest thing for me. Uh, with the receivers, Hollywood Brown does worry me with that injury. And he's also very, very small and slight, so I wonder if that could be a recurring thing. Uh, Debo Samuel would be my choice as, as if I was going to go a receiver, just because his route running is so dynamic. And I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl, and he was absolutely making top flight corners look foolish out there. And and I think he's a guy who stock dropped because he didn't have the greatest year at South Carolina, but he's another solid player. So for me, it'd be down between Samuel and Thornhill. But I'll mm-hmm. defer to you if you want to choose one of those two. Okay. Who would you lean toward? You know. To appeal to the lighter side of things and to the sentimental side of things, I think I'm going to go with Debo Samuel to replace Randall Cobb because he can do a lot of the similar things that Randall Cobb could. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to really appreciate a gadget player. And he can play inside, outside. He can be your returner uh, in in special teams. I think that it's a good selection here. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the other four that we talked about either. Okay, so I just made the pick. Debo Samuel, welcome to Green Bay if this were to work out for the beginning of Friday, which we will be recapping day two of the draft on the Packet A podcast ourselves in in just uh, about a month or so from now as picks flying off the board now as we are into round three and just waiting on a few of the simulation to go. Well, luckily, I have it on the fast timing, so that will move fairly, fairly well. And now Green Bay up at pick 75. Names that came off since then, notable names. Daniel Jones went to Washington, the Duke quarterback. Hollywood Brown goes to the Panthers. Chase Winovich breaks Jacob's heart everywhere. He goes to the Dolphins. Uh, Dexter Lawrence to the Browns. Charles O'Menohue from Texas to the Vikings. Kelvin Harmon to the Steelers. Michael Dieter, first badger off the board, goes to Philly. Caleb McGarry and Taylor Rapp back-to-back to Houston. Trayvon Mullen to the Patriots. Running back off the board, Daryl Henderson from Memphis to Philly. Dan to the Dallas Cowboys. Rakia Sin, quarterback from Temple, goes to the Indianapolis Colts. David Edwards for another Badger goes to the Chargers. Julian Love gone to the Chiefs. Andy Isabella to the Saints. Jace Sternberger, Patriots get another solid tight end, which really hurts the inside. Eric McCoy, round three to the Cardinals. Paris Campbell just went off the board. Tyree Jackson off the board to Jacksonville. Blake Cashman off the board. And Ross did a lot of work on him to Tampa Bay. Last pick made was DeAndre Walker, edge from Georgia to the Buffalo Bills. So Juan Thornhill is still out there at 75. So Run to the a, podium. I agree. <laughs> the other name I was thinking. I, let's other name, let's talk about who else is available, but yes. Uh, the, top, the top five names out there. Juan Thornhill from Virginia. Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State, anti-interior lineman. One of my other draft crushes, Miles Sanders, running back from Penn State. Darnell Savage from Maryland. And Amani Hooker from Iowa are the top five prospects out there. So three safeties. Yeah, so Amani Hooker himself is a, is a fantastic prospect. He would, he'd be a little Swiss Army knife. Another one for Mike Pettin to use. Uh I think that the pick here has to be Juan Thornhill, though. As much as we just talked about him, uh, he fits every single threshold that the Packers are looking for at the position, and I think that he would provide a tremendous duo with uh, Adrian Adrian Amos because they can both do a lot of different things. And uh, I'm honestly just a fan of Thornhill's intellectual and instinctual abilities, 
and that's not something you can teach in a player. No, I agree. You, if you have a trio of Thornhill, Amos, and then Josh Jones kind of up in the box, I think you're in good shape. So we'll we'll, we'll go with Juan Thornhill there, and there he goes. Uh, Dawson Knox just went off the board. Savage off the board. Amani Hooker to the Dolphins. So the Dolphins taking all of my top picks. Uh, Damian Harris off the board. Rennell Wren from Arizona State to the Titans for you. Uh, Drew Sammy off the board. Miles Sanders to the Texans. Riley Ridley to the Lions. Kahale Waring, a good tight end to the Cowboys. J.J. Arcega Whiteside to the Chargers. As we slowly work our way through round three. Max Crosby, edge from East Michigan to the Jaguars. We're just looking for notable names. This was Anthony Nelson, final pick of the round to the Ravens. As we're now in round four, so we have two more picks left in this mock and in this podcast. David Montgomery just went to the Buccaneers. If this if this simulation were to hold. So Packers now will pick 114. Last pick was Will Harris from Boston College. So top five, top, I'll go top ten players now because I'm getting later in the in the draft process. Number one prospect out there is Miles Boykin from Notre Dame wide receiver. Josh Oliver from San Jose State tight end is the second top prospect. Jaquan Johnson safety from Miami. Darius Slayton from Auburn wide receiver. Connor McGovern guard from Penn State. Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech. Travion Williams from Texas A&M a running back. Jacoby Myers from NC State, and Dennis Daly from South Carolina, an offensive tackle, are the top prospects on the board, according to the Draft Network's predictive board. So the two, the three names, actually, that caught my attention uh, were Darius Slayton, Connor McGovern, uh, and then the, there was another receiver in there, uh, Miles Boykin, excuse me. So both Boykin and Slayton are guys that are Packers I can guarantee are going to be in love with. They blow the thresholds out of the water. Uh, I, I'm looking at the position, though, and it's starting to get a little logjammed with the selection of Debo Samuel. Um, Connor McGovern is a guy that I would be looking at in this area, in, in this part of the draft. Uh, solid, solid player. You know, He's a little bit developmental, but that's what you're getting in the fourth round. I think that's exactly what they're looking for in their linemen right now. Not only that, he fits what they're looking. He fits their thresholds with a 4.57 short shuttle and a 7.663 cone. Uh, obviously, he fits the size. So I think Connor McGovern is the selection for me here. Uh, Joe Marino talked about his ability to play in a zone and get out and also has some lateral mobility. Uh, so I think he fits what the Packers are going to try and do in the run game very well. Uh, and then you can try and teach him, coach him up, I should say, uh, in the passing game. And so I think that Connor McGovern is the selection for me here. No, I agree. I, as much as I like the, the young receivers like Slayton and Boykin and even Westy a little bit, the Packers' young receivers, I want to see what they can do this year, and we've already taken Debo Samuel off the board. So I think another, yeah, offensive line's the way to go. They do need to fortify it. McGovern's, he's going to be a steady player, I think. He's going to be a solid player for a long time, and I think that you, and plus drafting a pure interior offensive lineman will help because years past, they've always drafted tackles and shifted them in. I think drafting a guy who's been a guard before gives him a little bit of that extra edge when they come into camp and you learn the intricacies right away. And so, yeah, let's make Connor McGovern the pick. And so just a few more picks until we get to our gift from the Washington Redskins at pick 118. And there goes Miles Boykin right off the bat. So the three picks between McGovern and the current one, Justin Hollins from Oregon goes to the Panthers. 
Miles Boykin to the Dolphins again because they take everyone that we want. And Joe Jackson of Miami goes to the Falcons. So now top guys on the board, Josh Oliver still out there from San Jose State, Jaquan Johnson from Miami, Darius Slayton, Antoine Wesley, Travion Williams, Jacoby Myers, Dennis Daly, Marquise Blair from Utah, Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, and Demarcus Lodge from Mississippi are the top guys on the board. A little further down the board are guys like Will Greer, Terry Godwin, Titus Howard, uh, Jared Stidham still on the board a little bit further down. Uh, Miles Gaskins still down there as well. But there, there's still some good names out there and still some good prospects for pick 118. Yeah, you know, I'm actually looking to supplement either linebacker or defensive line here. Now, this, just to be quite frank, this is not a good year for inside linebackers. Specifically when you start looking at the Packers' thresholds. Now, their, their thresholds for linebackers are actually relatively strict. Uh, there's never many prospects that meet them. So I, I think when they see players that are close to the thresholds or even meet them, they're jumping all over them. Um, and there's only a handful of guys that you're probably even looking at here. A guy like Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame. Uh, he's on that. He's on the cusp of meeting all the thresholds. Uh, a guy from a guy like Cameron Smith from USC. Uh, Bobby Okereke from Stanford. But I didn't hear you say Kalen Saunders. Is he still available? The defensive lineman from Western Illinois. Let's see, interior defensive line, Kalen Saunders. I do not see him. Let me go through quickly through the draft. I, did, I didn't go through every name, so let me deal, double check yeah, really quick. Kalen Saunders went off the board to the Indianapolis Colts at pick 89. Okay. At pick 89. Okay. So uh, that would be a guy I'd be looking at here. Um, he, he's he's going to. So I can do very quickly. He's going to be his top a... interior lineman out there right now, defensive line. Uh, Daniel Wise of Kansas is the top one. Then Dalen Mack and Kingsley Kiki are the top linemen. And top middle linebackers are David Long, Tavon Coney, and Gary Johnson for Mm -hmm. the inside linebackers. Yeah, so I think honestly here, I'm looking, this is possibly where we might see a running back uh, come off the board. I think we're going to see the Packers pursue a pass catching running back, a passing specialist running back. There's a couple of them in this year's draft. One is James Williams from Washington State. He might be around five pick. Uh, he he doesn't meet any of the thresholds necessarily. He kind of is just below all of them. I think Miles Sanders is like the only one that meets them all right now. Tony Pollard from Memphis is a guy who's kind of rising up draft boards as well. So this is where it really starts to get interesting what the Packers decide to do, where they de- where they decide to add depth. But I think what I'm doing here personally is I'm looking at a guy like Daylon Mack. So a guy like Daylon Mack, he's he meets the thresholds for the most part. He's a little uh, a little less agile than you'd want him to, but he's a true nose tackle. He would take some of the duties off of Kenny Clark. The Packers have already met with him once, uh, which kind of says a lot to me. They're, they're not meeting with a lot of players at this point, which is very surprising uh, to me as considering the amount of visits that the rest of the teams in the league have had. But the Packers have not met with a lot of players, so I feel like they're kind of – they've already got their guys that they're kind of like targeting in on. Uh, Dalen Mack is a guy they've already met with. I believe it was back at the Senior Bowl, and uh, he's a guy who 
pretty much meets what they're looking for. Uh, he, he's going to be a specialist guy, but he's going to he's going to be a tremendous nose tackle in the NFL. He won't provide much more other than that, but he'll be a tremendous run defender, and he can provide some juice from the interior as a pass rusher as well. He's got some he's got some nice moves that he likes to whip out every now and then. So I'm looking at a guy like Dalen Mack here. That would be my value pick and my best fit. So welcome to the Green Bay Packers, Dalen Mack, and that'll wrap up the six-man draft class for the this mock draft simulation from the Draft Network here for 2019. Notable players afterwards to the end of round four were Jaquan Johnson to the Browns, David Long to the Vikings, Sutton Smith to the Titans, uh, Antoine Wesley to the Eagles, Darius Slayton to Denver, Wyatt Ray to the Rams, Will Greer going to the Patriots so they maybe get another backup quarterback that could be trade bait in four years. Titus Howard to the Falcons. Final pick of this four-round mock was Michael Jackson from Miami over to Philadelphia. So if there are no trades and in the dream scenario, this would be how the Packers would shape up, according to what Tyler and I have decided to do. Brian Burns goes at 12. Noah Fant goes at 30. Debo Samuel at 44. Juan Thornhill at 75. Connor McGovern at 114. And Dalen Mack at 118. If that were to be the case, and if all these picks were to end up in Green Bay, I would be beyond ecstatic. I would not sleep very well. I would be full of adrenaline and looking forward to driving up to Green Bay in August for training camp and sitting at the fence watching these guys work in pads and making 2019 one of the more exciting years entering that I've had in a while. Yeah, this is almost as perfect as it gets, and... I can almost guarantee there's going to be craziness on draft night and only Brian Gutekunst and his team know who they're looking at and what they're looking for particularly. And all we can do is sit here and speculate based off the team needs, but it's rarely how it goes, isn't it? So I I can't wait for the draft personally, but if they, if they ended up with this kind of haul, addressing so many positions with the value that we got in Juan Thornhill, Debo Samuel, Noah Fant, I, I, I would be over the moon. All right, great. Also, folks, don't forget to stay tuned here on the Packaday podcast. We'll have more draft coverage as the date approaches as well. We'll be recapping each day. And again, we'll be covering day two, the two of us, recapping that tonight as well. Also on Cheesehead TV, I know a lot of the Packaday guys will be there as well. I know, I think you will. Obviously, Andy Herman will be a part of it. I don't know if I am or not. I haven't been contacted yet. I'd like to be. So Andy, consider this my official pitch for that. But either way, stay tuned to all of the Packer blogosphere and all the Packer podcasting places for draft coverage. There's going to be a lot of it as well. And it's it's an exciting time to be a Packer fan. So as we wrap things up, Tyler, you're at Tyler underscore Grizz on Twitter. Anything you're working on in particular? No, um, I do have something in the works that should be coming out in the next week or so, which I'm particularly excited to announce. However, uh, right now it's just the uh, Cheesehead Draft Guide, which make sure you get your pre-orders in comes out in the first week of April, I believe, April 5th. Uh, make sure you wander on over to the cheesehead.com uh, website, cheeseheadtv.com website to check that out and, um, you know, get your orders in and make sure you're checking that out. I wrote I wrote about the defensive line, so if you want to see what I thought about Dalen Mack, a little bit more extensive manner, please make sure to check that out. But there's tons and tons of good work from great people and even better football analysts in the in the uh, guide itself. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. So uh, take the time and uh, thank everybody and thank them by pre-ordering slash ordering the draft guide. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wellens. 
I'm writing for Dairyland Express again, and I'll be doing some under underrated prospects to keep an eye on for the future as well. And also don't forget as well, follow us at Packet Podcast on Twitter and also wherever fine podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. We're going to be there as well every day throughout the year and throughout the years, hopefully, for the long time coming as well. So until next time, for Tyler Grezegork, this is Mike Wendland saying so long. Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.